Luke chapter 9, verses 57 to 62. The Gospel of Luke chapter 9, verse 57 reads, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plough and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Let's bow for prayer. O God, we bless you, we praise you. We ask now, O Lord, that you would teach us, instruct us, Please guide us and give us hearts that are responsive to your guidance and your leadership. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray, Amen. The context of our text that we've just read is... Jesus Christ is on his way to Jerusalem. Note then verse 51, it reads, He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And once again in verse 53, the emphasis is, He would go to Jerusalem. It is in this setting that Jesus Christ answers this question. What does it mean to follow Jesus Christ? What does it mean to follow Jesus Christ? A passion to follow Jesus Christ. If you look at chapter 10 verse 1 and 2 it reads after these things the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come the note verse 2 therefore said he unto them the harvest truly is great but the laborers are few The labourers are few. 
Could this be the reason why the labourers are so few and getting fewer? Because people are not really following Jesus Christ. What does it mean to follow Jesus Christ? Surrender. Absolute surrender. That's what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Are you fully surrendered to Jesus Christ? This is what it means to follow Jesus Christ with passion. It is well said, the heart of any issue is an issue of the heart. Let's see how Jesus Christ in our text exposes what is in the heart of man that often keeps him or her from fully surrendering to Jesus Christ. There is a serious pandemic amongst those of us that claim to be committed Christians. The COVID pandemic has passed, and thank goodness for that. But there is a serious pandemic that prevails to this day amongst those that claim to be Christians. For many of us, Jesus Christ is a definite part of our life, but he is not our life. And I'm finding that this is a serious, serious problem today. For many, Jesus Christ is a part of our life, but he is not our life. As the Apostle testified in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Let's see how Jesus Christ exposes what is in the heart of man that keeps him or her from full surrender. Note here in verse 57 and 58. Now this event is also recorded in the Gospel of Matthew from chapters 19 and onwards. And there in Matthew Chapter 8, verse 19, the Bible gives us some further insight that this initial individual is a certain scribe. So the first individual mentioned in our text is a scribe according to Matthew chapter 8, verse 19. 
Now, as we read through the Gospels, we will find that the scribes, those religious leaders that not only had the privilege of copying portions of the Word of God, they were also teachers of the law, the Word of God, will find that within the Gospels, when you read of the scribe, he's normally, they are normally referred to in the plural sense. In fact, 59 times you'll read of scribes, plural. But only three times you'll read of scribe, singular. This is, this is one of those occasions. So here in Luke chapter 9, it came to pass as they went in the way, a certain man, a scribe, said unto Jesus Christ, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. So this particular scribe in calling Jesus Christ Lord and Master, as it reads in Matthew chapter 8, said that he's prepared to follow Jesus Christ. I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. I will follow you anywhere. Could this be said of us this morning? Willing to go anywhere the Lord wills? This man said, I am willing. But was he really? Just like many of us would be saying in our hearts, Lord, I am willing. But are you really? Our Lord challenges this scribe. In verse number 58, and in our Lord challenging him, he said, in essence to him, you will not have the security of a permanent home if you follow me fully. For foxes have holes that they call home. Birds have nests that they call home. But Jesus Christ said, I have nowhere to call home. I'd like to submit to you this morning that many of God's people are not fully surrendered because they have a security issue. The thought of not knowing where they will live or where they will sleep is disturbing to the point that it holds back many from full surrender. And in all probability, most of us here this morning are guilty right there. See, Jesus said to the scribe, will you really follow me wherever? Foxes have holes. The birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. He, 
The Son of Man does not have a permanent home. And I'm afraid that many of God's people that call themselves committed Christians, Jesus Christ is only a part of their life. He is not their life because they have a security problem. Even though the scriptures give many promises concerning the fact that God will provide our needs. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to own a home. They say it's the great Australian dream to own your own home. More so they're saying it today. The great Australian dream. But if you consider the thought in following Jesus Christ, you might never own your own home. How does that sit with you? The foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. This is the problem for many of us that are holding back from full surrender. We struggle with the issue of security. There's nothing wrong with wanting to feel secure. But beloved, we need to be mindful that Jesus Christ is our security. It's not brick and mortar. Not a permanent home. Though it's not wrong to own a home, but it might not, might not be the will of God for you to own your own home. How does that sit with you? See, for many Christians, Jesus Christ is a part of their life, but he is not their life. Because they have a security problem. They want to feel secure. And the heart issue here is that we fail to accept the pilgrim principle. As Christians, we are likened to pilgrim sojourners. We read of the pilgrim, the sojourner, in our reading this morning. We are passing through this life on our way to heaven and to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 13, the Bible reads, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confirmed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. This is one major problem why the laborers are so few. Most of us will not surrender fully to the Lord. Oh yeah, we talk the talk, but we don't really walk the talk. Because we have a security issue. The thought of not knowing where I'm going to live tomorrow 
or next week or next year is disturbing. Makes us feel very insecure. And this scribe that said, Lord, I'm going to follow you wherever. And Jesus said, really? Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. But the Son of Man, the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. Security issue. A refusal to accept the pilgrim principle which is this present life. This is not our permanent home. Heaven is. Heaven is. And until God takes us to heaven, we are on a journey with the Lord Jesus Christ being our guide. And we need to be about the master's business. And a life that is fully surrendered to Jesus Christ accepts that fact and accepts the fact that maybe I will never have a permanent home. But I can be assured of the fact that God will provide my needs. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And just like the Lord Jesus had his needs provided, in chapter 8, verse number 3, it talks about a group of, of, of women, a woman by the name of Joanna and Susanna and many others that ministered unto him of their substance. Our Lord was cared for and God will care for me. Do you have a security issue? I understand we all want to feel secure. It's natural. It's not spiritual. <laughs> because our security is in Jesus Christ. A security issue. where I understand that I'm just a pilgrim, I'm passing through. God could will that I will have a permanent home. But it might not be God's will. And I'm willing to accept that. Okay, we nod our heads, but most of us are like this. That's the reality. That's why the Lord Jesus said after sending out 70 two by two, he said, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Security issue. Go back to Luke chapter 9. Note then verse 59 and 60. In Luke chapter 9 verse 59, he said unto another, So the first individual volunteered. He said, Lord, I will go with you wherever. 
But note here in verse 59, the Lord Jesus, he said unto another. Who was that another? Well, if you go back to Matthew chapter 8, the Bible teaches it's one of his disciples. We're not told which one. One of his disciples. Jesus turned around and said to one of his disciples, follow me. We're not told which disciple it was, but they were familiar with this call to follow me. We read in Matthew 4.19, Jesus said, follow me to Peter and Andrew. In Luke chapter 5, verse 27, we read that Jesus said, follow me to Levi. But note the response of this disciple in verse 59. But he said, Lord, Master, suffer or allow me first to go and bury my father. So Arthur addressing Jesus Christ as his Lord and Master, He makes a contrary request. Allow me, suffer me first before I follow you to attend to my Father. Note the wording then, verse 59. Suffer me first. Me first. Me first. This sums up what was within the heart of this disciple. He wanted to do what he wanted to do first. And then he said, I will follow you. So we see with a scribe, the scribe had a security issue. The thought of not having a permanent home was more than just challenging. With his disciple, he has a timing issue. Suffer me first to go and bury my father. Now what was he really requesting here? Was his request reasonable? Would it be heartless for our Lord to reject the request? Suffer me first and bury my father. Now, it's unlikely, listen to me carefully, it's unlikely that his father had just died. And he needs to attend the funeral service. Why? Because within Jewish culture, the dead were buried within the day, within 24 hours. That's unlikely. That's what you and I will automatically think. 
That's very unlikely. It is likely that the father was elderly. That's probable. And he didn't have long to live. That's likely. And to wait for his father to die. Now, when was that going to happen? Right? And then to bury him within 24 hours. And then within Jewish culture, you had mourning for at least a week. And then after a year, once the body has decayed completely, the bones would be put in a special box known as a, an osary and then reburied. This son, this disciple actually requested no less than a year before he would surrender fully to Jesus Christ and follow him. At least a year. This disciple had a timing issue. Not now, Lord. Later, I'll follow you. As we all know, when we put off something there is a strong possibility it will never get done. Is this where you are at now? You say, I will follow you, Lord, in the future, but let me bury my father first. So what does that mean? Let me finish my degree let me finish my trade first. Let me make so much money first. Let me pay off my house first. Let me get married first. Let me have children first. Let me build up my superannuation first. This goes on and on. Lord, I want to do what I want to do first. And these are all excuses that keep many from full surrender. Now, there's nothing wrong with the above, with any of them. But if they come between you and full surrender, it's a problem. Because God has a right to interrupt your life. God has a right to interrupt my life. We violate the principle of obedience. See, God calls for immediate and complete obedience. Our time needs to be in submission to God's will. His timing is always perfect. And by faith, we need to just obey God immediately in full surrender.
This is what Abraham did in sacrificing Isaac. This is what Amos the prophet did when God called him off the land to be a preacher. This is what Nehemiah did as he was working in the comfort of a Persian palace. God interrupted. And my friend, if we put off surrendering fully to God's will immediately, it is probable you will never end up doing God's perfect will. And I've seen it, and I've seen it, and I've seen it over the past 30 years of ministry. I've seen people in our churches, I've seen people in our Bible colleges that have said, suffer me first. Suffer me first. And where are they today? The gap year principle. And what did Jesus say in verse 60? Was he cold and callous? Of course not. He said, let the dead bury the dead. Let the spiritually dead bury the dead. Somebody will bury your father. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Let the dead, the spiritually dead, attend to the dead. Instead, you take care of raising the dead spiritually by preaching the gospel of the kingdom. A timing issue. See, for many of us, we are happy to declare Christ is a part of my life, but he's not my life. The scribe has had a security issue. The disciple had a timing issue. It's just not quite the right time. Well, when is the right time? Interruptions are, are normally not acceptable. But God has the right to interrupt your life and my life. His timing is always perfect. And if God calls you, obey. And put away your petty excuses, suffer me first and go bury my father. Well, what does that mean? How long is that going to take? Look at verse 61. Luke 9, verse 61, another also said, Lord. Now, this individual is not identified. I will follow thee, but let me first, there's that first word again, 
Go bid them farewell, who which are at home at my house. So here we have another unidentified individual that said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first say farewell to my family before I follow you. Now, on the surface, this sounds reasonable. This is what Elisha did when he, were, when he followed Elijah. It was acceptable then. Why not now? My friend, may I submit to you that often good is the enemy of best. Our Lord responds with wisdom to this request in verse 62. No man having put his hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Our Lord responds with wisdom to this request by using a farming analogy. In ploughing a field, it is critical that you keep looking forward in order to plough in a straight line. But if you look back as you plough, you will potentially move off the straight course and you will end up ploughing crookedly. So it is imperative that the farmer not look back but keep looking forward in order to plough successfully. And in the same way, if we want to be used of God, we need to keep our eyes on our Lord Jesus Christ and guard our hearts from looking back to past loyalties. In this situation, the Lord Jesus addresses the loyalty issue, the security issue, the timing issue, the loyalty issue. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, the Lord Jesus said, No man can serve two masters. He will either love the one and hate the other. And within the biblical setting, family is everything. And so it should be today. But family should not take us away from our loyalty to Jesus Christ. Family can and should encourage us spiritually. But it is too often Listen to me carefully. It is too often that family members are the chief critics in you and I 
following Jesus Christ fully. That's a scientific fact. That's what the Lord Jesus is addressing. Many of God's servants have been discouraged and distracted from doing God's will because of the influence of family members. And this is what our Lord is addressing. Now, we're not referring to counsel, wise counsel. But we are referring to divided loyalty. And the Lord Jesus, in his infinite knowledge and wisdom, said, No man, putting his hand to the plough and believing this is the way forward for me, looking back, is fit, equipped for God's work. Many of us will not fully surrender to the Lord because we have a loyalty issue towards someone above our loyalty to the Lord. I can give you plenty of examples of men that God has called to the ministry of which they have a spouse that have discouraged them and disheartened them. Loyalty issue. This is a failure of our first love for the Lord. Are we not to love God first and foremost? And in having divided loyalties, we can be guilty of leaving our first love? I don't believe the Lord Jesus was criticizing the principle of saying farewell. But he was addressing the issue in saying farewell to have family members that would discourage tell you that you're crazy how are you going to live maybe do that later on get a trade go to uni buy a house what about your family who's going to look after your family Who's going to look after your kids? God. God. I was living with my uncle when I started Bible college in Croydon Park. And when he realized I was going to Bible college, he said to me, you can't live here. And go to that Bible college. 
I said, fine. So I moved into the dormitory. That's family for you. Unsaved family, so-called spiritual family, can be your biggest discourager in fully surrendering to the Lord. Beware. The Lord Jesus put it this way in Luke 14, 26, please. Go to Luke 14, 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, his own life also... He cannot be my disciple. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Does that mean that I growl at my family members? Of course not. But it simply means that I'm so devoted to doing God's will... I'm so fixed on obeying God, it would seem to family that I don't love them. Over the years, I've had family say to me, you don't love us, Mario. You don't love us. Had I ever told them that I didn't love them? No. But my life, my commitment to Christ gave them that sense. And that's what will happen when you and I give our hearts fully to the Lord. It will seem like that we hate even our own family? A passion to follow Jesus Christ involves full surrender. That is not not just Jesus Christ having a part of my life, he needs to be my life. And this, I have no doubt, is the reason why the labourers are few and getting fewer. It's not for lack of prayer. There's no doubt in my mind that much prayer goes up for more labourers. The issue is many are not willing to fully surrender to Jesus Christ. Christ is our, a part of our life, but he is not our life. And really, he won't be our life because we have a security problem 
we have a timing issue, we have a loyalty issue. And the Lord Jesus highlighted these principles as He called for individuals to follow Him. John Watsford was born in Australia in the 1800s. Went to the King's School of Parramatta. He was converted as a young adult single. He married and he became our nation's first Aussie-born preacher missionary. Served on the mission field of Fiji for a number of years. A married man that had 14 children. Did you hear that? 14. Seven of each. Seven girls, seven boys. So raised a family. Three of his children went into the ministry. From the mission field of Fiji, came back to Australia. And he travelled around the country preaching the gospel, preaching on revival. Preached all over Queensland, New South Wales, South Australia, Victoria. John Watsford was fully surrendered. He had a wife, he had 14 children. So what's your problem? What's your excuse? And three of his children went into the ministry. John Watsford was surrendered. That's our problem. This is a serious, serious pandemic today. Not that long ago, I counselled a PK kid. Grew up in a Christian home, good Christian home. And he said, Pastor, I believe God has called me into the ministry. So I should do some Bible college, but how am I going to fit my Bible college with work and my marriage? I can't see how I can fit it in. I said to this person, that's your problem. Right there. Not a matter of fitting Christ in. Matter of Christ being your life. You do what God tells you to do, God will provide for your work and God will provide for your family.
And I walked away from that conversation being awfully discouraged, thinking, now, this is a preacher's kid. He should know better. Is Jesus Christ a part of your life? That's our problem. He should be our life. Is Jesus Christ your life? I submit to you that for most of us, He is not our life. Because why are the labourers so few? A passion to follow Jesus Christ means that I am fully surrendered. Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. As the old hymn reads in the chorus. Over mountain, plain or sea. That's surrender. That's our problem. This is a serious pandemic. And the only virus that will cure it is surrender, surrender, surrender. Fully. Where God is allowed to interrupt, where our security is in Him, and our loyalty is undivided. Towards Jesus Christ. Let's bow for prayer.